There was also like a throb through it. Oh, let me ask you a quick question, PC related. Hey. Uh, Phil, you didn't mute that, so we decided to stop and just edit that section out. Sorry, I forgot to tap mute. Amazon delivery guy. Uh, okay. Harwood. Um, so I've done a little bit of digging around and I've discovered. Ricky Grove. Fog comes in on little cat feet. <laughs> Phil Rice. This is the best film that I've seen all year and maybe ever. Damien Valentine. Use the machinima, Luke. everyone my name is ricky grove and you are watching and now for something completely machinima podcast i'm here with my pals tracy harwood damian valentine and phil rice hello folks hi hey there uh each week we're going to be reviewing a specific film going over a few bits of news here and there to share and uh this week we're going to be looking at phil's picks he's got two interesting picks both of which i liked a lot but before we start that why don't we do a little bit of news does anybody have anything well i'll go i've got a little piece of um news which i was quite fascinated to see i don't know whether you've seen it in the news as well um this is a um a professor at the university of chicago who has created um a tool called glaze um which enables you to mask uh, a piece of artwork um, such that uh, an AI cannot read the um, the image, um, so it protects the copyright of the of the artist. Right. Um, I don't know if anybody's using that already, but it, it, it just recently another piece of um, software that's going to be added to that tool set is um, that he's released is called Nightshade. Nightshade has a slightly more sinister. Uh, approach to it which I mean there's a lot of metaphors being used around its description but it's basically a tool that will poison the uh, um, the artwork that is being um, masked um, as it is uh, included in the training data set of the of the generative AI or the uh, the, the model that's being used um, through which you can generate some uh, some images um, and there's a quite a lot of debate around what 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 will happen with this, and if enough people are using it, what does that mean for the training um, data set? There's some people even uh, talking about the legality of the use of the tool um, to do this with other people's IP, the the training uh, algorithm, if you like. Um, and of course, there are those that are saying, well, yes, it's it's our legitimate right to protect our IP. RIP, but um, it does raise an awful lot of issues, I think, in terms of the ethics of it and, and the legality of it. Of course, copyright remains a really complicated area, so it'll be quite interesting to see how this one unfolds. How does it work practically? Is it a program that you run your 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 work through and it I'm, imprints something on it? Or I'm not entirely sure. I, I think you, uh, you run your um, artwork through 
through the program, I think, and it and it basically adds a, a layer of data that I, I would imagine it's a little bit like adding a watermark to it. You know, so there's a lot uh -huh. of debate about using watermarks with it. Um, but my understanding with it is it's uh, it's imperceptible, so you don't um, you don't know what it is, but also that it moves within the layers of the information around whatever the whatever the artwork is. So it's quite hard to discover that it's being used as well. Um, so so it's it's quite an interesting um, tool, I think. But I haven't tried it, so I can't really comment on exactly how it works. And if, if you guys have, I'd be really interested to hear what you've got to say about it. I haven't uh, and hadn't even heard of it. Uh, the, the poison thing is, yeah, that is an interesting ethical complication, isn't it? Because if, mm -hmm. if you, you know, you take that and out of the metaphor and put it in reality, if you're a farmer and you've got a garden of vegetables, it's it's wrong for to, to allow people to come in and steal them. You you You, you shouldn't have to do that. But I would think that if, you know, you poisoned your own vegetables so that whoever stole them died, then that's that's a bridge too far, you know? <laughs> you know? I mean, Depends on the farmer. The person, right. Can, can mean, we get any more the, metaphors in here, the, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, technically, the thief shouldn't have stole them. But, I mean, mm. if, if the poisoning, if the poisoning, if all that does is just makes it where using that image, uh, you know, causes problems with any generated image that trained on it i guess that's one thing but if it's if yeah. it's more along the lines of like a virus mm, type of approach where it actually hurts the llm itself yeah see that's that's a bit much mm -hmm. so i love that there's the ability to to mask in a let's say harmless way um i i don't know why i just never even it never occurred to me that something like that would even be possible, but that is a great solution if if that does indeed work uh, to, you know, to, to for people who, you know, there's plenty of artists out there who don't mind their artwork participating in this process, but there's plenty who do, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and so That's right. I think it's good that, that it looks like they're going to have a mechanism to protect their work if they choose to. Um, I just don't think it should be at the expense of, you know, destroying systems or whatever. But I'm I'm kind of talking off the top of my head. I don't know what no, I hear I hear you. Yeah, I think you're right. Hopefully it's more along the to use your analogy of poisoning the vegetables, it's more like putting a laxative on the vegetables. So you <laughs> don't you kill go. the person, but you give them a very right. unpleasant experience from eating it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what I think the, the unpleasant experience might well be. Turnips with diarrhea. Choice. That's just not my idea. Of a... These these things are not straightforward. And, and, and I'll add to it, uh, as I've been talking about this recently in the last couple of weeks as well, which is the fact that, you know, it's not the, the IP doesn't just sit with the with the the artwork and the, the fact that you know, you have that layer of the original piece of artwork that's being added to the, the database here. The issue comes around the, the layers of information that then are available legitimately open access um, material, if you like, that's available about that artwork elsewhere. Um, so, for example, somebody might review it or it might be discussed in an academic text, all of which could be easily uh open access easily 
um, scraped and legitimately scraped and included in these models. And then you've got this kind of complicated issue of the artworks that not there, but you can potentially, you know, reconstitute that artwork from the descriptions of it from all these other layers. And therefore, IP in terms of that original work has not been contravened in any kind of way. Um, now, the problem you've got here is if, if, for example, an artist then doesn't want their work to be talked about or reviewed, how on earth are they going to uh, make a living out of being an artist? So ultimately, I think they really, they they really are sort of taking a stance that they haven't thought through at the, at um, the you know the many many different kind of levels that it needs to be thought through at. They're just thinking about it at one specific level, but it is far from straightforward. I mean, this debate is obviously yeah, going to you're continue. You're so right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's going to continue. Uh, uh, um, well. For quite some time, I think, and many, I think, are talking about it in the context of, you know, the early days and the alignment, the early days um, uh, of, of photography. But but in truth, what we're talking about isn't really like photography. It's more akin to the invention of electricity and the pervasiveness of what this is, is more at that level than it is at the photography level. So I don't think this is a straightforward thing. And I think, you know, these these poison or masking tools have really they've really got to think through more of the layers of it before they start uh you know damaging i suppose yeah um, but we're models. they're living in a era of extremes absolutely i mean I just throw my 10 cents though it, I, I got it and I, I hear what you're saying and i think you're right but i'm trying to explain the reason why people come up with extreme things like the poisoning it's the tr it's the zeitgeist of our time. Yeah, that's true. Both politically and culturally, everything is extremes. You're either on this side or that side, a black and white. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been frustrating to see that happen over and over again. I mean, we I just was reading an article about how teachers were trying to get rid of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird because they thought it did not represent black experience uh, in the way that they want it to and i mean it's like mm. give me a break <laughs> give me a break yeah but you know you just have to live through it but you but you're right and i'm very disappointed that the courts are slagging so far behind you know the courts need to lead on this They'll drive the cultural issues by giving people a legal basis for making decisions. Otherwise, you're in this wide open Wild West world where ethics bend according to people's desires and needs. If you're an artist and you're pissed off at all of the scraping that's going on, of course, you're going to think that poisoning is great. Mm. But you're right, Tracy. If you don't think it through, you're going to create a, just a mess. Mm. So far as I'm yeah. aware, the big... Um... The big tech companies haven't responded to the release of this particular software, but that's why I say it's going to be quite an interesting right, one to watch right. how it uh, unfolds. I think. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That comparison to the dawn of electricity is really—it's perfect. It is. It's much more because if you, if you know anything about the history of that, I mean, the the tech was moving forwards so much faster than we knew what to do with it, you know, and all these decisions about how to deliver it safely and all that were contrasted with this sense of we have got to get this out there, you know? Yeah. And I'm talking like 
early early 20th century in particular, you know, where Edison and Westinghouse and Tesla, there was this race to just make this they, they knew they had they knew they were onto something that was world changing. But my goodness, there was there was so many things to to figure out because it was dangerous. And uh, yeah, I think there's a lot in common with with what's going on with AI right now, that the people who have been part of the flowering of this, they know they're onto something that is going to that is changing the world. But there are these yep. these these questions that arise about how to do this properly and safely that uh, <laughs> they always lag behind, it seems like. And it's, it's a and, shame. It always has been that way. Technology always rushes ahead and leaves ethics and moral issues way behind. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a few more things that aren't so uh, bothersome. Um, I picked up two interesting games that I like a lot and I want to recommend. The Lies of P. P being Pinocchio, it uses the um, uh, Pinocchio story in a fascinating way. Uh, it's a very difficult game. It's what they call a Souls-like game. Dark Souls, uh, which is the From Software people that did Elden Ring and others, they're notorious for having difficult games, but Lies of P is particularly good. But boy, is it look great, you know. Pinoc you played Pinocchio, and uh, they call him P in this one. And uh, all of the puppets have gone nuts, crazy. So yeah. he's fighting all he's fighting all of these puppets to to solve the problem, and it's really enjoyable. I recommend it, but be prepared; it's very very hard. And then the other one is called Lords of the Fallen, which I like a lot. It's uh, again, it's a Souls like game. The design is really creepy and strange, and um, but the mechanics are really good. Uh, it's a, a fun. The backstory is really interesting. I like it. So if you're looking for interesting games, uh, try that one. Lords of the Fallen especially has a uh, a photo mode built into it, which I was really happy to see, where you can either do 2D uh, pictures or 3D pictures uh, for VR if you want to. You can record the situation. I don't think it's quite ready for machinima, but you know, the modding community is so good. Um, I'm sure somebody will come up with it. Otis IMF, I'm sure he'll come up with a uh, uh, a plugin that'll allow you to do to film in there. It's really creepy and would make great horror or heroic adventure sorts of machinima. So check it out. And then the last thing I wanted to say, I've been doing some research on microphones recently, inexpensive microphones. And I came across something that I want to recommend to our listeners by a company called JLab, J-L-A-B. And it's called Talk. It's a USB microphone. I don't know whether you can see that or not. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's about 50 bucks. And it's excellent. I'm using it right now. Um, the build quality is a little on the plastic side. But the audio quality and the controls are just terrific. It's a USB, so you plug it into your computer or laptop, and it, it immediately finds the drivers, both on Mac and a PC. And what judge for yourself, the quality, I think, is, is really great. You can adjust. There are four different modes to the microphone that you can adjust. Uh, and for 50 bucks, you can't beat it. I mean, the blue microphones, which are great, are twice as much. 
So if you're looking for an inexpensive USB microphone for your Machinima project or just for podcasting or recording things, J-Lab's uh, Talk USB microphone is well worth your, your money and your time. Hey, you are sounding great on that mic, just listening to you now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a $50 microphone. It's really, really yeah. good fidelity. I would, I would have never guessed it. Yeah, I was surprised myself. I thought I'd give it a try, and I'm, I recorded some uh, stuff that I needed to get done, and and using it here, and I, I think it's great. It's nice and clear and crisp. It doesn't quite have the background suppression, noise suppression that some of the higher end microphones have, but uh, Zoom has it built in, so it works mm -hmm. fine with me. Right. So, shall we move on to your pick, Bill? Yeah, we were talking. Okay. Uh, we were talking just a few minutes ago about uh, uh, you know AI, and it, it turns out that my my pick this week and my kind of honorable mention pick, uh, they're both uh, deeply connected to AI generated artwork. Uh, the first one is uh, it's episode two of a series being done by a guy named Dean Corrigan. And I, I don't know how this ended up in my in my uh, how the algorithm delivered this to me, but he was somebody that I wasn't following on Twitter, but it showed up. And there are these little micro episodes that he's doing. Um, the, the series is called Denver Pluto. This episode, two is called Nina. And the reason I, I decided, yeah, I'm going to mention this one on the show is because uh, he did use iClone on this one. Um, and. I just, uh, as I've followed the series more, if I'm if I'm honest, I'm a little, I don't want to say disappointed, but I was kind of hoping that the story would be put forward first. But it seems like that what his endeavor here is, is the story is kind of secondary and he's he's doing a lot of experimentation. So each episode of this series they they don't necessarily have the same feel or even tools involved. Um, the the third episode was a lot of Pika Labs, which is like a runway uh, type of AI generated video involved. Uh, the first one was, I think, just AI generated art. This this second one though actually had some animation in it, and it was iClone. It doesn't look like iClone really. Um, it's it's almost. He's he's figured out a way to use iClone in such a way that it almost looks like conventional animation, um, you know, because there's not a lot of elaborate. There's certainly no mocap right, or anything right. elaborate going on like that, um, and it's very very stylized. But I just really liked it that it's it's got some solid uh, voice going on, and that was the, a thing that really caught my attention because the female voice the the lead character in this episode dina that's an 11 labs voice oh and my I, god i could not believe it and i actually reached out to him and said how in the world did you because i read through the description and he actually reveals that that's that was the case he voiced the the robot i believe the, the computer but the female was just an 11 labs voice if you don't know much about 11 labs, there's, there's different ways of using it. One is they've got some preset voice types and you can basically, you can submit text of a certain length and it will spit back to you 
um, you know, voiceover. Some of them are better than others. Some of them are really solid voices, but one area where Eleven Labs does not excel at in its current generation is uh, delivering emotion. And you really have no control over that either. Like there's, I imagine at some point, Eleven Labs is going to have like a, a markup language, almost like HTML, where you can, you can program you know, in. Yeah, program in mood and and all that kind of stuff. It, it's, that's, that's inevitably going to be the future, but that is not in that right now. And uh, one of the things that you can do with Eleven Labs is you can submit a voice sample and have it create a uh, an AI voice that it will use for that. So you could like record a minute of yourself talking and you want to be strategic with what you record. You want to kind of cover the full gamut of the types of words and and pronunciations that you'd use. And it does a pretty good job of then creating a clone of that voice. But the tone generally is pretty flat. You know, it's not going to have any sort of dynamics with regard to emotion, but somehow he did get that uh, in this. And it's the best I've ever heard out of 11 labs. Mm. I've heard other people get closer, you know, get close. Um, but this, I would have never guessed it in a million years that this wasn't human delivered. And he, uh, his answer when I asked, how did you do that was kind of a, uh, I just kept trying, you know, I like, I asked, is there some secret? Is there some code or way that you're typing in the words or are you using punctuation? No, he says, none of that works consistently. It's just, it was the right sample to start with. And then just a lot of, a lot of iterations. Uh, so it sounds like it was pretty labor intensive to, to get, but the result is pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah. Pretty impressive use of that. Very so, impressive. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's the, uh, that's, that's my main pick, uh, for this this week um what, what did you guys think of it well i loved it i thought it was very amusing i'm surprised that it was done in iclone because despite the fact that iclone has developed a much better visual style it still has a little bit of a idiosyncratic look to it um and i had no idea that <clears throat> the way he did post-production and and changed everything it just it was marvelous. I love the quick pace of the acting, which was excellent. Um, it was just a, a super short that was fun and interesting and kept my imagination. And best of all, it made me want more. Yes. So really great choice. Liked it very much. And I'll follow that series. <clears throat> I was surprised that that uh, Ricky was that this was a had I kind of involved with it because I watched it. I thought, this is obviously AI created in some way. And I was a little bit surprised that you, we had an AI generated video because we were obviously a machinima show. But that, when you explained that it's an iClone <clears> video, <throat> I, I need to go back and watch it again to try and figure out what was iClone <clears throat> in it. Uh, because it doesn't look like iClone. Like, right. like you said, iClone has a very distinctive style. No matter what anyone does with the characters, when they render it out, you know it's iClone. There's just something about it. Um, and that yeah, whatever he's done to right. it, I'd like to know because then, yeah, I have to think he must have he must have brought in some some stylized characters into Iclone, which is a feature it's been able to do uh, in in Character Creator and in Iclone. It's been able to do that for a while, but it's little used. It's it, 
very often people don't use that. If they're going to do something more of a cartoony look, they'll use Cartoon Animator or Moho. Um, and But no, this was these are stylized characters that can be brought into iClone. And I think it comes down to how he edited it. The, the iClone part is mainly the female character, uh, her talking scenes. But the way he edited it, it looks like the kinds of things you would see in 2D animation. So yes, yeah, I yes, thought it was pretty exactly. clever. Yeah. yeah, me too. That would be my mm -hmm. comments as well, actually. And and I did a little digging, <laughs> as I always do. Um, and what what's what I've kind of found about this one is that he's basically created the prompts for the characters, the character designs, the story, the scripts, the music, and the visual effects. Um, and what he's said about this is that whilst um, he's uh, at pains to state that generative AI has been used to create the base assets for video production, um, the stylization filter for the for the character animations, the the voiceover lines for the dialogue, um, which have all been written, um, they've all been created by Dean himself. Um, what he's basically said is that everything has been done as a transformative process um, using the AI, which he's then kind of imported into the into iClone, I guess. Um, but what's interesting on his website, he says that taken as a whole um, and the and the way that he's used the generative AIs, he says this web series meets the standards for the human authorship requirement as defined by the United States Copyright Office, which I, I, I've not seen anybody write that before explicitly mm. in terms of the work that they've done. <clears throat> so he's basically asserting his full copyright over the web series. He says he does not seek any kind of copyright at all for any uh, of the artificially intelligent uh, assets that have been created, which is interesting, I think. Um, yeah. So he might have used iClone for it, but he's, he's created absolutely everything and generated it using AI. Now, in terms of the story, I thought it was um, it was sharp. It, it was it was fun. Kind of yet another type of example of a, a human interacting with an AI, and it's very much a, a kind of a, a play on that sort of theme. Um, but I really like the fact that in this scenario, it's the AI that's panicking. I think that's a really yeah. nice <laughs> a, a really nice twist. I thought that was fun. Um, I really yeah. enjoyed the pace of it and the style of the story. And I thought the visuals kind of, I thought they looked really, really cool. But what I will say is I think the voice acting um, far and away dominated the visuals and the animation quality. And it's interesting that you were saying that it it looked, um, you know, sort of heavily stylized because I, I sort of made a note, I think this looks more like a digital animated zine than it did an actual animation. Like a web comic almost. Like a web right. comic, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of the thing that I got from it. And I think that was because the voice side of it was so powerful. It, it was so well done. I, I mean, the Eleven Labs voices, I mean, absolutely outstanding. And you could what I what I picked up on that was you can you could hear the inflection in the voice, but also the breaths that they were were taking. It sounded like real actors doing it. Really impressed with that, but what I couldn't understand with the with the story side of it was why why make that aesthetic choice? Because it clearly was an aesthetic choice to 
to make those voices sound a little echoey. And that echo was was kind of it probably doesn't sound correct, but it but it was it was flat or consistent right the way through the film. And I picked I picked that up because I just that just felt that jumped me out of it a little bit, I think. Um, but overall, I thought this this showed kind of real promise. And, and I was very interested to see that he's already made three other episodes to it um, and that he's using uh, X, formerly Twitter, as well as YouTube to, to put the web series out. Although when I looked at the other episodes of it, the aesthetic wasn't the same. So, right. you know, your your point, Phil, about it being a series of experiments um, where I guess the story is is consistent, but the the way that it's um, aesthetically presented just isn't. Slightly confusing, slightly uh, intriguing, I suppose. Um, got to say, I was a little disappointed for him that he hadn't got a lot of audience engagement with it. Um, and I was also a little disappointed because I did try and see what was going on on X with it as well. Um, but I think if he was going to run it as a web series through that kind of channel, he needed to dedicate to dedicate the channel to it. And he hadn't done that. So he'd got kind of normal comments and shares and stuff mixed in with the, the web series, which just spoiled the flow a little bit. So I think his, his, it's the experimentation that comes through the loudest with this and I think if he was going to put it out there as a as a web series then have faith in it because it's 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 good as a as a web series um just be more confident with it I suppose is what I would say but Mm. yeah I really enjoyed it great pick good point thank you yeah uh, yeah that's 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 very much what I was I guess my my uh I keep wanting to say disappointment that's not fair though uh because I, I need to acknowledge his objective is seems to be different from what I was wanting from it. And I need to acknowledge that. But yeah, I think if the story were first, then yes, the fact that the aesthetic inconsistency between episodes makes the story feel disjointed, even though it isn't. Uh, but it's impossible to experience it and not feel that disjointedness because of that. Um, to what I'm going to assume from that is that really and truly the experimental process of delving into these tools, that was his primary objective. Um, as, as a guy who hates to see any good story go to any kind of waste that that's upsetting a little bit, Yeah, yeah, of course, but there are different reasons for creating things. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I found what he made very very intriguing and i'm i'm going to continue to follow it for sure Absolutely. but maybe not with the same heart that i would a story that has grabbed me yeah yeah well i'm impressed the fact that he wanted to use ai as his basic modus operandi in creating it i mean that's that's a challenge that's a yes and i think he's leading the way i think you know there might be other more traditional types of shows that are drawing more views but i'm really glad that he is getting attention for it hmm. I, think I am too. And you know, I, sorry, Damien, it's the second time I've cut you. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I was going to say, I hope that as he's experimenting and his skill set increases, we'll, we'll see um, an improvements over the, the videos. And I mean, it just looks great. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But as as he 
progresses through the series and does more experiments, the look's still going to continue to change until he finds what he is happy with. And I was going to mm, right. refer to my personal experience with making Heirs of the Empire. Um, if you watch chapter one, it looks terrible compared to the more recent installments, ah. simply because my skills have changed and the software has changed and the tools I use have changed so much since I started it. And this, if, <clears throat> if this is going to be a long running series or however long he wants to do it, he's going to go through the same thing. And when he goes back to his first episode, it's going to look very different from wherever he ends up. Uh, but that's a good thing because it shows that he's learning and yeah. um, building up his skill set. And I'm kind of intrigued to see where he goes with it. That's a really good point. Really good point. I think one of the things that I learned from, say, that great artist M. Dot Strange was that he constantly told me, he says, just do it. Just get the project done. Because you'll learn from that and the next one you make will be better. And he's absolutely right. Um, so if you're at sea and you, you just say, oh, it isn't good enough. They're going to hate it. Forget that. Finish the episode or finish the project. And then, you know, you move on to the next one, then you can go back and look at it and say, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. I have the same, um, that's sort of the idea behind the, my pick this month, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks. But I'll expand on that idea when we get to that. So, uh, Phil, you had a second uh, sort of honorable mention. Yeah. Called Prelude to Dusk, Dark Machinima Audio. Yeah, what Dark is Machine. That? Dark Machine Audio. Dark Machine, uh, excuse me. Yeah. Mark Johnson is a, uh, a musician uh, that I've seen and interacted with on on Facebook. I think that based on some of the comments of of friends of his in the Facebook groups where he shared this, he probably goes back to like the the movies online community, you know, the TMOA community. Um, it seems seems like a lot of them are are familiar with him and know him. So I I don't know what his history was with that, but his primary thing now is his music and and he uh, he's been producing and releasing tracks uh, of a I would say like a rock a dark hard rock type of vibe um, for a long time, um, but seems to be kind of diving into it maybe with a little bit more uh fervor now a little bit more uh frequency i've seen videos of his before uh and heard music of his before and and generally like it especially his instrumental stuff i really like and this one he did a music video for his own composition that is composed of uh entirely uh ai generated imagery i think it's mid journey i'm not certain about that but i believe it's mid journey and then he took all those photos and also kind of unified the experience by uh, running them through uh, some color correction and filtering to where there's a, a consistency that, frankly, I don't know how anyone could get directly out of the AI engines. They're, they're Unless you had your own model you were training it on, the images aren't going to have a similar thread like this. And... Uh, I just really, really liked it. The song has a, a feel that reminds me of a band that I've followed for years called Tool. Um, it's it's just wonderfully evocative. And these these images are um, 
Ricky, you'll probably be able to, if anyone here can identify what that style is, is reminding me of, it'll be you, but it's, it's, you gave a book to me, Ricky, 10 or 15 years ago. I think it's titled God's Man. And it's all black and white woodcut illustrations. Lind Ward was the artist. Lind Ward. This kind of, this reminded me a little bit of that with the high contrast, but also the movie uh, Waltz with Bashir which has yeah. uh, a lot of highly stylized animation point. with with that yellow color that is really prominent in Mark's video here. I don't know if those were if 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 that movie was an influence on him or not, but um it it reminded me of that which I have a very favorable opinion of Waltz with Bashir, not least of which for its soundtrack which is just stupendous. Um it's a great movie too by the way. Um anyway, uh so I just it, there's nothing machinima about this. Uh, maybe maybe he has some machinima in his resume that I don't know about that makes it work. But he posted it in a machinima group, and uh, and it, it, it's 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 very appealing and it's it's AI art related. And uh, I, I just really liked it and wanted to share it with you guys. So, what did you think? I loved it. I really like this guy's work. I, it's kind of like dark punk horror. And yeah, it's great. Uh, great description. That's yeah. great. What I liked about this was the evidence of the, the the struggle between life and death, and where you know what he's illustrating is death is winning. We're all getting older, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I thought it was um, it was it well, of course absolutely. Is only death is winning. It is, <laughs> but it was so it was so beautifully done in this. I love the color, and I love the red eye pops every now and again. I don't know if you picked up when you were watching it. It wasn't just the that sort of muted yellow color, but but it was also the you know the the red eyes, always just the eyes, and then there was this kind of throb to it as well, which gave it the feeling of being animated. Mm -hmm. Did you pick up that? Yep, I thought yeah, that was uh, like a a change in the luminosity. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, sort of. Like shakiness a, like a beat mm -hmm. to it as well uh -huh. shakiness mm -hmm. was one thing but there was also like a, a a beat to it which i thought was really really nice and then I, I i kind of i saw the color as kind of being akin to 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 pop culture type color uh and then in the images i thought i thought they were really cleverly stitched together because I, to me this was a better film than the 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 first one that we just discussed here because I quite liked the way that he'd mixed together these images of sort of fantasy, the Metropolis film I picked up on, um, robots, and also the kind of almost a bit like clockwork orange, perhaps, sort of threaded mm -hmm. through it. Um, and I, and there was a really interesting spoken piece in the, in the middle, which kind of gets drowned out a little bit um, as he's um, as he's playing. But I really like that that what I heard as a poem um, and that poem is what gives it the the meaning it's about the sort of you know the sense of 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 um, what would be the word disjuncture between the old and the young represented in the in the images um, and what that made me do was listen to that in from two very distinct perspectives. 
So, and I, and I almost could do it simultaneously because as, if you, as you're listening to it, you realize there's this narrative of the old man and there's this narrative of youth. And if you took the 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 side of the old man, what what you could hear is him. It, it's basically a scream to be heard above the noise of the kids. And if you took the side of the kids, what you could hear is the overwhelming sound of youth having fun, um, with with a clear sense of disdain for the old man. I thought this film was so clever on so many levels. I thought you'd really done an excellent job of this. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was oh, so a glad. very pro provocative um, piece. And for me, it was it was a, a better main pick. So thank you for sharing that one, Phil. I really enjoyed it too. Um, it kind of made me want to play Cyberpunk 2077 with some of this <laughs> imagery. And there's... There's that one shot of the guy in the trench coat in the city street and the skyscrapers in the background. I thought that, that made me think about Blade Runner as well, because that's very sort of Blade Runner kind of vibe there. And it kind of reminded me of, I know it's a very different kind of video, but that um, cyberpunk video that I chose a couple of months back, that was the music video and you just saw the taste of the, the city streets and the people living there. It kind of felt like that and commenting on the, the people who live in the city that... Um, he's talking about in the society um that he's talking about in this video today um so yeah i really enjoyed it uh i i can see it's not necessarily a machinima video but it was made by a member of the machinima community and uh yeah it's an excellent pick yeah yeah i concur um i discovered this film interestingly four or five weeks ago and used it on renderosity every friday i do a films on friday pick and did so you really? I, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, I, I knew this film already. So when I saw it was your pick, I said, oh, God, that's great to watch it again. And it was even better the second time through. It's got so much style and feeling behind it. Um, it's a kind of comic, a, a digital comic. Right. That That is almost like motion comic. Uh that there was a trend four or five years ago that which just sort of fell apart but i really thought that it was effective the music is what which i thought was fantastic it's just great and you're right i see the tool connections to it but the the music sort of gave it the emotional base to the whole thing and the images sort of popped on top of that, floated on top of that, telling a sort of abstract, sometimes abstracted, sometimes not so story, which was one of the things that kept you interested in it. The style kept kept pulling you in, kept pulling you in. Um, it made this, the story as it is even more effective. Uh, I was really taken by it and really want to see more of this fellow's work. It's fascinating that you use Mid Journey uh, which was he said that that's what he used um, that combination of AI and traditional filmmaking and the experiment of putting it all together is fascinating and I and I agree with you Tracy I think this was more effective than the first one although the first one was quite good I'd like to see where this uh, director goes and this uh, it's fascinating to see that he was actually more focused on the music which worked to his advantage in it because, as I said, it created the whole feeling and tone of the piece. But 
most importantly, the style of the of the film. So often we think style is a kind of artificial thing that it makes things look phony, but it's not. The Waltz with Bashir uh, reference is perfect because that's exactly what it was. The style, as long as you're consistent in your style, you it's almost like you're creating another world, another visual world. That and that attracts people. That's what interests people. It makes Waltz with Bashir such a fascinating story because it's a essentially a documentary. You know what I mean? Of very serious events, but it's done in this such a strange and interesting style. It adds a a haunted quality to it, which I felt this one had too. There was something haunting and gothic about it. I just loved it. It's great, great choice, Phil. Yeah, I loved it too. He's done at least one other video since this one and um, doesn't look the same, but hmm. similar similar approach. You know, a series of AI-generated <clears throat> stills with a consistent style. I, I, I like your comment on style because it's, it's a word that has... Uh, it doesn't get its due. You know, it's it's thought of, like you said, it's thought of as just like almost just phony cos cosmetics. Yep. Something that you slap on or or to pretty something up. But no, style to me, I think just means you're putting some thought into what you're doing. You know, you're you're and clearly that was in this video that these weren't just a he didn't just go on and generate a series of images and slap them into a video editor and apply a filter and he's done. He really thought, I think, about every single image, which one would come after which one, and and what that would convey. That's style, and uh, and it and it you know when it when it's not there, you know it, and when it's present, this is what you get. You know, it is. It's yep. it's beautiful and dark and disturbing and lovely and uh, yeah, great stuff. Here's an example of uh, of what I mean by style. Think of Giger, the artist that did many of the designs for Alien. Mm -hmm. That's highly stylized artwork with a very specific look and mood and content as well. He, it's a reflection of his own imagination, his own choices as an artist. And you can use that idea of style in your work by being original in your choices rather than being generic or copying too much, or if you do copy something, you transform it. You you turn it into something else because it's your individual thing. I think more artists, more machinima filmmakers who think about style and try to come up with their own original style, some do it automatically without even thinking about that it's a style. They just do it. I think you have a style uh, not necessarily the same style, but you come up with a style for a lot of your films, Phil, and you too, Damien. Thank you. I think you're, you've developed your own individual style um, that's separate from Star Wars. It's not, it's not just Star Wars. It's your own individual style. And I think that's a very important thing. And if any, if you take anything away from this particular podcast, let's say, aside from the great ideas, the idea of using style, thinking about the style of your work, I think is a good thing. Okay, yeah. well that's that's our uh, that's our show for today. 
Thank you very much. Uh, if you have some thoughts, you think we're just bonkers and we don't know what we're talking about or Phil's out of his mind and Damien's lost it. Tracy's dug so far, <laughs> she's gone to the other side and, and Ricky's brain is just filled with nonsense. Send us your comments to talk at completelymachinima.com because we'd love to hear them. And we're really happy to be here for you and to share our thoughts. Well, that's it for the show today. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. We'll be back next week with another interesting uh, film pick. See ya. Bye. Are we already recording? Yeah. 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 <laughs>